I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweetest spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am navigating the ever-fluctuating temperatures here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, hopefully lounging by choice and not by necessity, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Have I ever lounged by... By necessity, I feel like it's always, or no, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I always lounge by necessity and it's not necessarily by choice. I mean, you were dying of illness last week, which is why we weren't here. I'm That's still, what the I'm was for. still dying of illness. Okay. Take it easy. More on that in a moment. Friends, this is episode 314 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to find any of our other episodes, you just take yourself wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate, review, follow, or subscribe. And henceforth, new episodes are going to be brought to your device because you don't have time to keep up on all these episodes. You don't have time. The weather is improving. Question mark. You want to be out there? You want to be out there no matter what the weather, which is my story for the week. We'll get to that in a moment, too. But you just want to be out there. You don't have time. You don't have the energy. You don't want to keep up on all these things. You just want them brought to you. Listen, it's WrestleMania weekend. There are like 1,500 wrestling podcasts I subscribe to. (laughs) I don't have time to go and find them all. I just need them brought to me. And they are brought to me, but not in a fashion that is as refined and elegant as the way this show will be brought to you, which is from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip, sprinkled by your mans. Sir Dr. Chauncey Frostilicus III. Check out that extra fanfare. Good lord. Wow. That was fantastic. Uh, Geek Down Internet Elf. Friends, he's going to bring those episodes directly to your device. It's what he loves to do. It's how he likes to get out into these streets and spend his time just traveling the neighborhoods, handing out episodes of this podcast directly to our adoring listening public. Aww. I know you just made that last part up, but I do like to think that they're rather fond of us. (laughs) Friends, you want to tell us how fond of us you are? Brings a little positivity over to that rancid cesspool that is Twitter.com. We're at GeekDownPod. That's where you can let us know how much you appreciate us. You did get some well wishes, by the way, when I let folks know that there will not be an episode last week. Thanks, guys. You, You got some well wishes from our... Our little corner of comf over on over on the social meets. The big problem was not knowing how long it was going to last and losing my voice because that is just terrible. <laughs> I mean, we can do without a lot of things I mean, on this show, but I mean, your voice is kind of the one thing I need. Almost. Almost. We're about 60% of the way there that I could just build an AI, Caitlin, I feel like. Do you, and- really? Just continue this show in perpetuity? I don't know. You always say that the reason you've had me do this podcast with you is because I I consistently surprise you. And AIs are not good at... Like, their whole thing is pattern (laughs) patterns. They they take in patterns and then spew them out. AI, Kate, going to laugh at all my jokes? Going to like all the stuff I like? Yeah, (laughs) that... Not going to shit talk Utena anymore? Like... That sounds super boring. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we have to do our due diligence. Friends, if you want to uh, donate to this endeavor so I can start building the AI cable. <laughs> <laughs> so three bucks in the old tip jar. I assume it doesn't cost more than that. <laughs> right? Just a little chat GPT. Right, little... This, shit's all, this shit's all open source now, right? Yeah. Like I can just like go, I can snag something off GitHub and make, make an AI Kate. Yeah, you can probably convince some old rich men that you're some sort of Silicon but... Valley uh, genius, and I'm sure they'll give you tons of money. Caitlin, your name is halfway there to the acronym. It'll just be like lowercase c, uppercase AI, lowercase t. Come on. Oh, that's good. Come on. Don't steal that, internet. <laughs> they they will, though. Just like that they, lady stole our opinion about Facebook listen. being the old mall of social I media. so mad. I knew I saw that once before, and then it came up on, on Instagram today, and I was like, ooh, this motherfucker. We go on Facebook, the old mall of social media, for like three years. We did it first. I think it might have been more than that. I don't know how long we've been doing this podcast. Probably forever. That's what it feels I, like. Listen, since the the executive producer and I make a joke all the time that we've known each other for 47 years, <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about how, how this podcast operates. Ah, uh, Kate. Yeah. How are you feeling this week? You're talking. Your voice is here. At yes. Least. Yeah. Um, it's a little, I mean, I still have a bit of a sore throat. Um, I'm still pretty congested. Um, I, my ears are still plugged every so often when oh. I blow my nose a bunch, it unplugs and it's such a relief. And then it oh, immediately just sounds so fun. Just plugs right back up. Well, it was, it's just a bad cold. Um, I went to make sure it wasn't strep or I didn't have COVID. Um, and the doctor was like, yeah, actually we've just been getting slammed with cases of upper respiratory infection, which is just a cold. He's like, but they're super contagious and... They can hang around for a week or they can be here for several weeks. Um, it's basically all you can do is drink fluids, rest, and uh, eat hauls. But, like, literally, I sent Senior Correspondent to get me some hauls, and he came back with, like, literally, I've never seen a bag of hauls this big. The, the, the Costco bag? <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, slung over his shoulder. Um, I thought it was excessive, but I've been plowing through them to get my <laughs> voice back up to, like, doing, like, podcast level. Um, so you may hear a couple coughs and nose blows in the background people but i'll, I'll try and limit it i'll let i'll let jordan I'll, know before i'll do my best to cut them out yeah um but yeah so it, i'm actually i'm feeling a lot better i'm still really tired because my body's just doing its best to fight it but um but yeah so you know I, i've been pretty good about wearing a mask but there are definitely definitely some places i probably should have had one on where i'm like you know, you get kind of lax. Like I still always wear it on the bus. Um, and if we, I know we're like, we went to see a movie on Friday and I of course wore it then because I still wasn't, I wanted to protect others as well as myself. Um, but I'm like, maybe I should just keep, cause I haven't been sick. I got sick with COVID after my wedding, but that's it. I don't think I've been sick, sick for years now. And that's, yeah, I don't think I've been. I don't think I've been sick since COVID. I definitely I haven't had the flu. Um, maybe I've had a sniffle here or there, but I do get bad allergies in the spring. But I haven't had been like I haven't been sick with a cold, like laid up, need soup, that kind of thing for years <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, if you are have any kind of um, underlying health condition, just wear a mask. 
people will look at you funny, but it's okay. It kind of makes me feel like I'm famous. I definitely had something throughout the week because there's been something something going around major Canadian retailer that I'm sure is just solely related to the boomerang-like temperatures that have been going through this city lately. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was off. I was off yesterday, which meant uh, after I finished work on Friday, I uh, zipped over to the executive producer's house and I was over there Friday night and on Saturday we came back into the city and like super amped because oh my god it was like it's it, humid downright humid from all the rain we'd been getting and then it warmed up so much and I left the house in like a tech fleece like just a, just a Nike hood just a Nike hoodie and uh, and that that was it and we were so amped we were gonna walk down Ossington here in Toronto we got it Caitlin yeah I got tacos twice yesterday from Whoa. two separate restaurants. The best day ever. Um, two taco day, yeah. But we stopped for uh, we stopped for the first batch of tacos, Bidia Tacos at El Charo on Broadview. Not to blow up the spot, but it's fu- fucking delicious. Um, and then we was like, oh, let's go down Ossington and we'll we'll walk down there. We'll check for some stuff down there. There's like a sneaker shop down at Queen and Ossington we want to check out as well. And uh, on the way down there. It was cool. We ended up parking at uh, on college, get our steps in, you know. And then the second we stepped out of the sneaker shop, it started raining. It's like, well, yep. shit. And then the rain made it cold. And then today it was fucking freezing. It went from centigrade wise, it was like fifteen yesterday and three today. Yeah. And now tomorrow it will be seventeen again. And I'm like, we are all getting fucked up <laughs> this week. I've had a snot ball in my head every morning when I wake <laughs> up, just like. Somewhere in there that slowly passes out of my skull and just, it's, it's been a time. Kate. Yeah. We do have some news today. We have a run sheet today. We it's do. WrestleMania weekend. We'll get more into this in, in, in a bit, but we have a, uh, we're trying to keep it brisk today because listen, I work this morning and WrestleMania night two is tonight and I'm trying to make sure I have enough energy and, to maybe try and watch WrestleMania live. And I, um, I still have like, you know, my throat's still sore. I don't have much. I don't have much time. I, I there's a ticking clock. <laughs> Before the body is like, we gave you an hour. Yeah, they're like, we gave you an hour, hour and a half. You used it poorly because you just wanted to tell <laughs> bad jokes to Jordan before the episode commenced. That is on you. That was so. That was that is a totally a you problem. Um, so we do have some news stories we want to get to here today. Uh, the first one I have is sad. So before I get into it, I do want to mention that I have a snack update for you, Kate. Oh. Uh, on the, uh, on Friday night, the executive producer and I decided to take a, uh, tour of recent chip offerings found on your grocery snack aisle. What? Here in, here in the greater Toronto area. Have there been some so, developments? Some chip well, developments? You, you are familiar with the President's Choice World of Flavors line. <laughs> yes. That is a constant rotating uh, selection of just wild ass chips. Uh, international friends, you may see this on from Lay's, something equivalent. Well, you'll suddenly in your like regular ass Wyoming grocery store, you now have like, you know, whatever Hong Kong flavor of Lay's is you know, the top seller. And before you get into this, I need everyone to know that yes, they did use your quote unquote inflation or greedflation money to figure out new chip chip flavors. A hundred percent. Continue. Absolutely. They did. Caitlin. Yeah. It was the cosmetics. Oh, right. Of course. That's where all the money came from. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter how much you see it on Twitter. It doesn't make it true. (laughs) 
So say the grocery robber barons of Canada. Seriously. Um, I swear, like, they, they have twirly mustaches. Like, that's how bad it is. Galen Liston cannot grow a mustache. That's, it's not libel because it's an honestly, it's an honestly held belief. Um, he has a monocle somewhere on his person. Possibly. <laughs> and a little car like the Monopoly man. He just zips away on with a sack of money over his shoulder and he goes, meh. Um, that said, we were in one of his establishments. <laughs> we don't have much choice. This is why they're robber birds. He owns 80% of them. Um, and we see the chip aisle. I was like, oh my goodness. And so we uh, we took a took a trio of recent potato chip offerings. There was a Nashville Spice. Okay. Filipina Adobo. Oh. And... Mozzarella stick and marinara. The first two were from President's Choice World of World of Flavors. Second one was a Toronto Raptors tie-in flavor of Ruffles. Okay. First two. First one, fine. Second one, very interesting. Third one, move the fuck out of the way. Put those chips in my mouth. That, Caitlin. Yeah. Is the absolute correct response. <laughs> I've won. I don't know what I've won, but I've won. <laughs> You won uh, the directive to uh, send senior correspondent out to find you a bag of, they're not going to be, they don't make the big bags. They just make kind of the little bags you get on the checkout. Get one of them bags of mozzarella stick marinara ruffles because, oh fuck. Closely followed by Filipino adobo. Yeah. Which is basically just like somebody took like 16 instant ramen pockets and threw, <laughs> threw them in the chip bag and shook it up. Still dope. Natural spice, kind of trash. So obviously, those are the chips I came home with after. <laughs> yes. She's like, surprised to no one. You get the chips I don't like. I was like, great. You know what? Fair. Chips is chips. Um, you need something for WrestleMania, so. We do need something for WrestleMania. Actually, I actually rinsed those already watching Yellow Jackets today. Yes. <laughs> it's fine. I got a box of Triscuits for WrestleMania. Um, Keeping it light because I'm trying to distract myself from Caitlin. I'm getting real, real tired of doing stories like this. Well, I'm so tired, tired, tired of doing welcome, stories like this. Welcome to life. Welcome to middle age. Um, news broke this morning that Oscar, Golden Globe, BAFTA award winning uh, composer slash pop genius slash musical innovator Ryuichi Sakamoto had passed away. Back on March 28th, but now that all the services and whatnot were uh, completed, they publicly announced his passing. Um, he had been diagnosed and battled, I believe it was colon cancer uh, a couple years ago. Um, and until, like, even recently, like this year, put out an album of just, like, kind of, like, synth instrumentals that he did while he was um, undergoing treatment for the cancer. Um this one has really fucked me up and I don't know how to explain it. I'm not the biggest fan in the world. I can't run down all of his works or his entire discography, but so he was in yellow magic orchestra, um, in the eighties pioneering, uh, craft work in, I actually don't know who came first. I need to look that up, but actually I think craft work came first, uh, but yellow magic orchestra was not far behind as far as like a, uh, what they would call techno pop, like very electro synth, um, type of pop group um, uh, that played on Soul Train of all places as well at their amazing. at their height. Amazing. Um, I happened to stumble upon a NPR article 
um, mm. about him. And I think there are a couple things that, so I if you want to read more about him, that's a good place to start. Um, but they say that is this the is this his obit or is uh, or just an article about obit obit. <clears throat> but they said the Japanese composer had an exceptionally wide-ranging career. He was by turns a synth-pop idol, the composer of both sweeping film scores and quiet, gentle sound environments, and a collaborator of such artists as David Bowie, Iggy Pop, and Bernardo Bartolucci. As a member of Japan's hugely influential band, Yellow Magic Orchestra, and as a solo, solo artist, he was a grandfather of electric, electronic pop music, making songs that influenced early hip-hop and techno. And he also, like, he was a session player, so he's on a lot of, like, the early city pop records by Minaki Yoshida and Taiko Onuki. Um, he, I just found a, like, he was a 90s pop songwriter for, like, idols and stuff. Like, he did everything. He was mm-hmm. just a working musician. Um, and the one thing, the one thing I will never forget is in deep, deep in the pandemic, deep in lockdown. We've all blocked it out, y'all. But remember, like, there was a moment where, like, more than three people couldn't be in a room together. Um, He filmed it, him, solo, at a piano with, like, a cameraman and, like, one other person in a studio in the the NHK. The NHK Studios, which is Japan's public public broadcaster. And I think it was just called Playing the Piano. And he recorded it with the intent to, like, have a broadcast on YouTube on a specific day. Um just to do something just to put something out in the world when nobody could like be together. And I remember watching that and his piano pieces are those, those are my favorite works of his, to be honest. I know some people probably like the new release and stuff, but I'm a, you know, I'm a, essentially I'm a minivan white mom at my core. And I really love, you know, (laughs) beautiful piano pieces. (laughs) Um, those are my favorite works of his. So watching him do either versions of, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, or uh, Energy Flow, stuff like that, um, just on a piano. And this solo, like, black and white film, just, it was like, <laughs> I think I said at the time, I, I told Instagram at the time that it was happening, if anybody wanted to check it out, because it got archived for like a week or something. I think I said, if you want to feel everything today... <laughs> Because he would talk a little bit before he would play and just basically about like what a weird time we were living in. And mm-hmm. I watched it live as it happened and it was like, yep, well, for an hour, I don't feel terrible. So thanks for that. Um, there's also a documentary about his life called Coda, which I've never seen because um, he got really involved politically later in his life about the environment and his aversion to nuclear weapons and power. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was too dangerous and things like that. He was really involved in that sort of stuff. Just an incredible guy. Um, he he turned 70 and like released a collaboration with this, um, Japanese techno collective called Mondo Grosso. Like he was always relevant, I guess. That's the, that's the most impressive thing about him. The guy was 71 and was never not relevant. Like he was just always involved in stuff. And one of the coolest things he ever did, I read this anecdote today he bounced a lot between New York and Japan and his favorite restaurant in New York. He hated the music <laughs> they had on in there. Um, so he would just on his own. I think you can find them somewhere. I need to, I need to look if they're available. You can, he curated playlists of music for them Amazing. to play. Amazing. I think he also, I think he also did the same thing for Muji once in a while. Like I think, um, my God, I wish I had the clout 
to just go into <laughs> a retailer and be like, I need you to stop playing this music here. This, this sucks. I will email you a Spotify link. Just yeah. play that. Um, yeah, great. Great musician, fantastic pianist. Um, had some slaps and bangers, too. There are some like funky-ass songs I have on some of his records. He did the soundtrack for Royal Space Force, which is a movie we talked about forever ago. It's got some bangers on it. He was married to Akiko Yano at one point in his life, which made him like, you know, synth-pop power couple of the 80s in Japan. <laughs> like, it was just an incredible life and a life well lived and very grateful for uh, for the art he gave us. So, And you have to, you have to end it with his... His favorite quote. You'd like to hear it? Ars longa vita, vita brevis. Art is long, life is short. Yes, sir. Rest in melody, King. Uh, Kate. Yeah? You said you had some news. You didn't even just say you had some news. You said you had some amazing news I have to talk about. amazing news. Do we want to talk about... Do we want to close with that? Or Because I've been talking a lot, but do we want to close with that? Or do you want to... Do you want to get it out now? Um, why don't I'll, how long is, do you have a lot for WrestleMania? Not really. You always say that. But I, <laughs> like I really do. Like, do you so, not have a lot for WrestleMania? The, the, exec, the executive producer just set the playback to 1.75 the second I said that, but I mean. <laughs> um, why don't I'll tell them my news. No, 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 no. We'll, cl- we'll close on yours. Okay, All I want to okay. say, friends, it's WrestleMania weekend. And the only thing I want to say about that is WrestleMania is like. The Super Bowl and the Oscars and the Olympics, it's everything. Because what has happened, WrestleMania has just become, the WrestleMania weekend has not just become the WWE's biggest show. It is wrestling as a thing's biggest show because every promotion who can will go to the town that WrestleMania is in and throw a show. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Every fucking wrestler in, like, I heard, and also hearing, like, you know, some of these wrestling podcasts talk about, like, when the show was in, like, Dallas or New Orleans or somewhere kind of walkable, how it's, like, insane. You're, like, literally bouncing from the WWE Fan Expo type of thing to WrestleCon, which is kind of like an indie convention that all these wrestlers go to to, like, sell autographs and do meet and greets and stuff, to then... Maybe you go to the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony one night, uh, and then you go to, like, you get done that, you go to an indie show after that, and then it's WrestleMania night one, and then the afternoon, maybe you go to another indie show to start, like, the NXT show was Saturday afternoon, like, it's not wall-to-wall wrestling. It's almost too much wrestling, to be honest. You know what, and I'm sure there's, like, someone on a corner um, selling, like, like, chaos corn, and, like, everything is just... absolutely. Just revolves around wrestling, which I, if you love wrestling, I mean, I could imagine it being phenomenal. Um, so watching that sort of like the industry come together, all this, you know, the brotherhood of like wrestlers from different eras and different companies and just the ghosts of Carney's past who have come <laughs> together. <laughs> yes. And I mean, it started. So Friday night was, um. Ring of Honor, which is a legendary indie company um, that is now owned by AEW, but they tend to keep uh, the brands separate, as it were. Um, they had their major show of the year on Friday night. Saturday night was the NXT biggest show of the year. Um, and then WrestleMania was last night, which is 
WrestleMania is also noted for being like the culmination of a of a year of storylines. It's the season finale as well. That's the other anecdote right. I wanted. It's, it's the Super Bowl, it's the Oscars, and it's the season finale of all your favorite shows. Um, the benefit is though, there's no off season on wrestling because <laughs> come Monday night, the new season starts. So the greatest story, Kate, did you watch, I don't, I don't, you watch the full two hours I sent you. I, um, I did go for it a bit. I have to admit. Um, but I did watch a lot of it. So genius on their part. This was not the one I was looking for actually, but the WWE has gotten very good lately about making clip compilations. If you just want the bloodline stuff, the bloodline, the story of Roman Reigns and his family and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and all all that business. Like they have been very good about just if that's what you want. Here's everything that happened on this week's Monday Night Raw or SmackDown that has that stuff. And they got they built a two hour compilation of everything that has happened with the bloodline from the start in 20 fucking like 2020. Is that where we're at? 2019, 2020. Yeah. When this started. And I think I saw it, I sent it to you, and then said, okay, that's good. And then I ended up watching the whole fucking thing and staying up far too late to go to bed. Because um, it's just so well done. And we have had our first... Uh, I didn't I didn't plan on talking about WrestleMania, but I mean, when the show drops, when our episode drops, WrestleMania will be done. So, I mean, we've got to at least acknowledge some of it if we can. Night one was last night. They've split it up into two nights. They started this during the pandemic and then just, I think, kind of realized it was a good idea if they can. Because WrestleMania used to go like seven hours. Oh, it yeah. was insane. Yeah. Um, so they split it up over two nights now. Um, and last night, the main event culminated with the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the tag titles. Sami and Kevin won. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of storyline subtlety in there that I didn't see as well, but, you know, really kind of ended with this moment where it, I read it as like, it's almost like Sammy was like, so Sammy hits his finisher, which is this like, he runs at him in the corner and like kicks him in the face. Three times. Three times. He hit him with the one and then Jay kind of like, it was Jay who's been like the, the one, um, you know, the, the centerpiece of the whole storyline, the guy who's gone back and forth, the guy who never quite knew where his loyalties lied, and then picked his family uh, over Sammy. And then if you go back and watch that two-hour compilation type thing, you realize it's always been Jay's story, because Jay was the first one who got, got gaslit and, like, destroyed by Roman into this, like, abusive relationship <laughs> with his cousin type of thing. Um It almost looked for a second, well, before Sammy throws him back to the corner to give him the second one, I... I haven't watched it on a good TV yet, just my phone. So it sounded like he said, I'm sorry, use before he did it again. And then it looked like he was almost going to let him off. But then the other Uso, Jimmy, came in and Sammy's partner hits him with a stunner. And that was kind of like shook Sammy out of it. And he hits him with the third one, gets the pin. Crowd explodes. They're crying. Sammy's wife is crying. What a beautiful moment. The first chink in the armor of the bloodline. So that's, you know. That's what Roman's dealing with as he goes into tonight to defend his titles against Cody Rhodes. Oh, my God, Caitlin. So much drama. Fantastic. So much drama. And also last night we had uh, one of the culmination of one of. <laughs> oh, my God. I've totally like let you off the hook on this one, but it's <laughs> Loki been fantastic as well, which is the story of uh, Hall of Fame inductee <laughs> Rey Mysterio and his son, Dominic, um, who. <laughs> So at one point, Dominic turns on his dad or like, you know, joins a, 
joins the um joins uh, a clan of ninja <laughs> oh, you, up, you, you up a, oh no you up siege no i was just going by the ninja turtles uh, the kid danny from the first ninja turtles movie who joins oh my the God. foot <laughs> i'm just like Lunatic. well you know there was this faction called the Judgment Day, but I was close. Well, I, you, when I started, sure, you were like, "Oh my sure. god, you know." <laughs> um, he ends up joining this faction, and then so he was always kind of partnered with this woman, uh, Rhea Ripley, who's this just like bruiser of a woman. She's fantastic. She won a title last night. She's the future of the women's division right now. Um, but the whole thing is like she kind of like lured Dom in to this faction. Um, their relationship has never been like depicted on screen as like overtly like romantic or so, like So she maybe didn't honey trap him, but she like Not really, but maybe like dangled it but never like Right. But nothing ever happened. Like it's, it's never him, never had that feel made, to it. She made him feel part of part of the group. Well, like he calls her he calls her mommy. <laughs> like M A M I. Right. Um and the infamous moment was at one point Dominic, I don't know if he got ejected from the arena or like Loki quote unquote arrested or something. Um, and the infamous quote was, you got to come get me, mommy. I'm not built for prison, (laughs) but he's off, he's off TV for two weeks. And ever since then he came back and acted like a felon. Like he had just, the things he'd seen, total bullshit, hysterical. I don't know how this kid got so funny and so good at his role, but he was just like goading his dad into a match at WrestleMania for, for months. And then he, like, disrespected his mom, and that's when Ray finally agreed to it (laughs) and knocked some sense into you, boy. Um, And Dom came out last night at WrestleMania. You just heard, like, a siren and, like, a cop wagon backed into the (laughs) arena. (laughs) And all these cops come out (laughs) and open the back door. Like, they're giving Dom the Hannibal Lecter walk, and he's got a luchador mask on, which he's never worn before. Um they walk him to the ring. I was like, oh my God. How did this fucking kid get so good at what he's doing? Anyway, great match. Ray won that one. Like I said, Ray won the, uh, the, her championship. Logan Paul lost, but again, another. Ugh, don't even know. Another annoyingly proficient showing from that kid. Don't like, say his name. I Jordan. know. I hate him, but he's. I don't he care. Takes it very seriously and he's very good. I don't um, care. He still lost them. Um. So yeah, just it's WrestleMania season is just fantastic. It just feels real. It just feels feels real nice. And uh, the Hall of Fame's always really nice. It's like, you know, high school reunion for all the wrestlers as well. It's just it's just a good time. Um yeah. So we got to keep it moving so uh I can settle in and watch night 2. Yeah. But not before we do that. Caitlin. Yeah. What is this news story you are dying to talk about? So you have this drama with WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And we know I don't like to watch things like Succession. <laughs> yes. But in real life. Oh my God. Was there Iger news I missed? When Disney block, blocked DeSantis's oversight board bullshit, I literally yelled. <laughs> okay. So. Wait, what happened? Okay. So I'm going to give. Um, this is an NPR article I'm taking most of this from. I have read a bunch of different ones, but. I want to sort of give some black background. Um, So for those of you who are not aware, um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is just like a foul person, um, has been trying to 
basically um, hit back at Disney because Disney, in his opinion, is a woke company. Now, well, and and I actually just listened to an old episode of our, our show where we talked about this. Um, this goes back to when Disney did not criticize the "Don't Say Gay" bill, and people got mad uh, at Disney. And then Disney finally did say they didn't agree with it. Yeah. And then DeSantis got big mad and did the thing where he like pulled their special status or whatever or tried try to or... he, he tried to pull they I thought a, that did happen no they have a special tax district yes. um and they he he said he was going to take away their special uh tax um rules except when the rest of the nearby floridians found out that if they did that they would probably end up having to pay more tax. Yeah. Then they were like, no, no, no. He backpedaled, blah, blah, blah. So I guess that was sort of the kind of the quick recap of that part of it. Um, but that's then, the origin. That's the origin of the beef. Really. And well, and there's but, but there's a bunch of things. He he didn't like their COVID masking measures. He didn't like the vaccine mandates. Um and the tipping point was when Disney sided against the Floridas. They call it the Parental Rights and Education Act, but it's known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Right. So, last month, in a move widely uh, seen as retaliation, DeSantis signed a bill that took control of a special tax zone encompassing Walt Disney World. It's called the Reedy Creek Development District um, and has allowed Disney to operate and expand with a lot of autonomy for the last 50 years. Um, the governor gave it a new name, the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District, and appointed five of his allies to the board, including a prominent parents' right, rights activist, a Christian nationalist, and a lawyer who donated $50,000 to his campaign. On paper, the new board would supervise municipal services and development for the land around Disney World. In practice, DeSantis said the board would also serve as a moral arbiter for a company that has lost its way. Um, one of the board members told NPR in early March that it, it its first step would be conducting a sweeping financial and legal audit of Disney's behavior. But unbeknownst to the governor, Disney had already cut the board's power. <laughs> the newly appointed board was sitting for its second official meeting on Wednesday when it announced it had made a discovery. It might not be able to carry out agenda the agenda it planned. 19 days before DeSantis signed the final bill, the former board had signed agreements with Disney, essentially stripping the board of power and handing that back to Disney. <laughs> Called the Declaration, it gets better. Sorry. Called a Declaration of Restrictive Covenants, the measure allows Disney to have the final say on any alterations to the property and requires the board to inform Disney of plans for such alterations That's without so conditions or delays. Boss. Basically, the board loses the majority of its ability to do anything beyond maintain the roads and maintain basic infrastructure. So, before the former board left, they gave up all their power before yes. the new board came in. Now, this is the best part. In an extra detail that the internet is devouring, the term of the agreement was set using the rule against perpetuities, which states that a policy will continue until after a certain person dies. Do you want to know who that person is? 
Yes. Yes, I do. In this case, the declaration will continue until 21 years after the death, death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III. DeSantis, after all, frequently refers to Walt Disney World as a corporate kingdom. So there's like so much more to this, like so many other lovely morsels, but the big takeaway here is that, and this is probably to me the most amazing thing, this was not a behind the doors thing. They it oh, was yeah. it, pro- it probably was on like a fucking agenda that was. anybody bothered to leave to read if they took a break from doing the stupid ass performance politics that every member of the right does these days. And and they they had they had a meeting they had like two meetings that were like you could, anyone could like attend or like members like it was all out in the open it wasn't like they were being I mean I think they didn't maybe publicize it or advertise it. And a lot of people were curious because even myself, because, you know, this is a big deal and people were asking Disney, um, and asking, you know, um, what, you know, what are you going to do about it? Um, this could have huge implications for Disney, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't really say much. They were like, you know, we'll just have to go along with whatever happens. Meanwhile, don't fuck with corporate lawyers. Um, apparently the DeSantis, uh, I'm going to call it a regime, have like, uh, hired a bunch of lawyers to like, look at this and see if there are ways that they can, you know, uh, nullify this. Um, but it was just, it's like the, um, oh, what was the move that what's his name did in that last video you sent me? The stunner. It's a stunner. stunner. That's what it is. It's like, it's a fucking, it's a Florida state stunner. That's what I'm going to call it. That's just like. Kicked him in the gut and. No, like just, there was some sort of like. Jacked him on the chin. Yeah, exactly. There was just like that, that you could hear some sort of bone in their jaw break. Like it just, and I have problems with Disney, huge problems with Disney. They're not the good guy here. But <laughs> no, but there. That's why it's uh, honestly, it's like seeing two evil villains fight. <laughs> You're not, you don't feel bad for one of them. You just are happy that maybe, I, I guess it's sort of almost the evil that you know in some ways. <laughs> but like, if anyone deserved to just be made fun of and criticized and, you know, admonished over this, it's DeSantis and his terrible, terrible government. Um, and terrible, terrible policies. And there is something sort of really savory and succulent about this. I mean, I know this is probably going to be an ongoing battle, but just about this, this specific move by Disney. Um, it's like how, like how every comedian, every late night comedian, uh, heard the story that, uh, dipshit had been spitballing, uh, nicknames. Cause you know, he loves a good nickname. Um, even spitballing nicknames for DeSantis. Right. And it settled on Meatball Ron. <laughs> and everybody, every good, John Oliver, Seth Meyers are like, ah, fuck, he still got it though. <laughs> he still got the, he still got the fastball. <laughs> if no one has ever looked more like a Meatball Ron than Ron DeSantis. Like, just, ah. Yeah, like. You hate to give it to him, but. <laughs> but in the, again, 
you know, two evils again, going again, at two, it. Again, it's just going to say two, yeah. two evil. It's, it's like... Maybe Mothra and Godzilla will take each other out. Just let them fight. Like, Just let them fight it out. Keep them away from the city. Let them fight it out. Um, yeah. And again... I just I, I I want him to fail so badly that I'm fine with Disney. Again, Disney like probably shouldn't have be able to pay few, like fewer taxes or whatever whatever it is that they the tax agreement is. But I'm like I'm okay with it if they want to take DeSantis out, right? Um, kind of a Xanatos gambit here. <clears throat> but anyways, so that was my amazing just me reading it, being like yes, yes. Um, that was my, um, succession moment this week. And honestly, I mean, not that I know much of what's been happening on the fourth season, but maybe I need to watch that show if it's half as good as what, uh, you just told me happened in real life. Uh, I don't watch the show at all. Or you could just keep your eye open for Disney news. Cause like, <laughs> just... it's really all I need right now. Dear Reddit. <laughs> Is anything on Succession as good as what's happening with Ron DeSantis and, and D- the Disney, Disney Corporation? Anybody. Well, that's one thing you've been watching. What else have you been watching? Oh, man. Okay. I got a list. I made a list. Okay, were, you, were you having passed out illness or uh, cozied up on the couch binging sickness? I watch so much stuff. Um, so I, uh, senior correspondent, um, and I continued watching Bad Batch. Okay. Beginning of this, I don't know if you remember me talking about the beginning of this season where I was like, uh, it's really like Kitty this season. You've, you've always been very lukewarm on the Bad Batch. Yeah. Okay. I feel like. Second half of this season, so dark. <laughs> and like, <laughs> we've lost someone in the crew and like... You know what? They're doing the Rebels thing, where it started out real family-friendly and moved straight into the, like, really dark shit. So, yeah. So, that that made me cry uncontrollably the last episode, but I think there's two episodes left, so hopefully things will turn out okay in the end. Um, then uh, we continued to watch... Um, the Mandalorian, which has also had sort of a weird... Save it. Okay. Um, I finished Raven of the Inner Palace. Did you? I did. I was thinking the other day, well, someone cute, rightly so, and I'll mention in a minute, well, why in a, in a moment, said I was bad at TV, and I was like, yeah, it's probably fair, because there have been so many things that I've been like, that was amazing, and then I never go back to, and I low-key was thinking about Raven of the Other Palace just the other day. Caitlin, do I need to make a priority of going back to Raven of the Inner Palace? Yeah, if you want something to just, like, chill and watch, like, it's a, always a good watch. It's not gonna, it's not too strenuous, but the, the mystery, though, it's continued to be, like, cool lady solves ghost mysteries now the mystery is her and like her power and origin and that's what sort of ended off the season i don't know there's gonna be a second season but there should be oh damn it was like it didn't answer everything no 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 i think it's like you need to read the manga um boo this man (laughs) um i uh, Sanditon came back. Sanditon is a show. This is his third and final season. Um, that was inspired by an unfinished work by Jane Austen. Um, and first season was good. Second season wasn't great. It was okay. Um, third season was, was good. Um, it was actually quite good. So if you're interested in period dramas, um, it's, it's a good one for you. 
I found um, a murder show. You don't say. Yeah. So I randomly saw a clip from a show called, well, it seems to have, it's one of those things where it's like called different things in different places, but it seems to be called Homicide Hunters American Detective or American Detective. Um, And it's featuring someone named Joe Kenda. And Joe Kenda is apparently, well, he is um, a uh, homicide detective uh, who has worked, he's now retired, but has has been has worked as a homicide detective for like his entire career basically um and he narrates the show um and it's basically like forensic files but the production value is better and it's it's current um and it talks about cold cases and it talks about just cases in general and they do things like they they talk to the investigators and they talk about the forensics and all of that um and it in that way it's very structured like forensic files um but joe kent joe kendall like he really adds uh he's very he's he's kind of quiet um and he's like an old gruff like private dick like he's there's just this like hard-boiledness to him um it's really charismatic um, and he adds like little kind of funny quips almost not, not making, you know, the subject matter is pretty heavy. Um, but it does. And it also, what I really like is it the episode I have watched it focused on the victim. Right. Um, and I always find a lot of those shows, the, the, you know, true crime shows, they focus a lot on the, um, the perpetrators of the crime as opposed to the victims and that always bothers me but this they they spent quite a bit of time talking about her and you know her daughters and that kind of thing so um i i really enjoyed it it was really well done it was about an hour um so i'm excited to watch more um then i we watched two movies uh we saw strange world which was not released in theaters um it was the one where basically they go on an adventure. It's animated. It was Disney. Do you remember any of this? Nope. Yeah. It flew real under the radar. Wait, what um, was it called? Strange World. Oh, yeah. No idea. Um, it was like a family movie. I th- they may have released it in theaters for a very short time. It's one of those things where it really... It was a fun family film. It deserved a way bigger release than it got. I don't know why. This could be part of this whole Chapek problem where there was just like, you know, not enough being released in theaters. This got like no marketing that I that I know of. Oh, it, wait. This movie came out like last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, Andy had a big thing on this uh, when it came out on Chris and Andy because he watched it. His kids loved it. And just how like, yeah, it just kind of got like... I think it was the idea that, like, he was comparing it, I think, to, like, movies that end up on Netflix and, like, what's considered a success and a failure uh, on movies and just how, like, Strange World was now, like, totemic in the town as, like, a, a failure just for, like, but they never put anything into it. Yeah. You know? Like. Yeah. Um, and it it kind of reminded me a little bit of Mitchell's versus the Machines. Like, it deserved so much more praise than it got. Um, 
And it, it was it wasn't like groundbreaking. I wasn't like, oh my god, this is the greatest movie ever. But it was a ton of fun. Voice acting was great. The characters were great. Um. Anyways, I I thought it was a I thought it was a good film. I thought it was great for families. So, like, if you have a family, if you have kids, it was a good movie. Um. And senior correspondent and I, I mentioned that we went to the theater. What do you think we went to the theater on, to go see? On. Give it to me. Give it to me, baby. Number one at the box office this week. Fucking give it to me. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Fucking amazing. Fucking amazing? That's what Fucking we're saying? Fucking amazing? Amazing. Give you the bomb drop. It was very so rarely, Very rarely good. that we have something in the popular culture that is like for you specifically. Yeah. And, and there were we... It's funny because... Um, we managed to avoid spoilers. Like we went like Friday night, like Chris <laughs> picked me up from work and we went, um, put burlap sacks over your head and just like, <laughs> Uber drop you off. Um, it, you know, I, I'd seen the trailer. I, what I like about the trailer, it didn't, a lot of trailers these days will tell you like the whole story. Like the, you'll see the whole movie in the trailer and it didn't, it give you bits and pieces and you kind of got the gist. Um, but you don't really know where the pieces fall in the story. And uh, so I wasn't totally sure what to expect. Um, and I know senior correspondent Chris read an article about like the things that aren't really, you know, exactly the game. And if that is your problem with the film. Oh, shut up. You need to take a hard look in the mirror, sir and or ma'am. Um... Because it was so well written. It was so much fun. Um, I literally, if someone was like, hey, do you guys want to go see uh, D&D? I would go back to the theaters and watch it. Like, th- then that's been a long time. I have not had a movie like that in a long time where I would go back mm. to the theaters and watch it. Um, yeah, it was just, it was tons of fun. It was, and I can't get over how funny it was, like legitimately funny. Um, so yeah. So if you were nitpicking about like, this person has this kind of magic and that's not how it works in the game. You know what? My thing is every D and D game is different. Every D and D campaign is different. There's something called homebrew, which I've talked about, which is when you come up with your own rules. The drum you've been beaten from time. Um, yeah, you come up with your own rules, you come up with your own world, you make changes to the worlds that already exist. Like every D and D campaign is different. And if you're just going to harp about like, you can't do that in 5e, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know what? I'm not going to wait until we talk about the thing we're talking about. You can go and fuck right off. (laughs) Don't even, I don't even want you to wait till the end. I don't care if you're interested in what Jordan was watching this week. Fuck right off. Um, what a cool guy you are. <laughs> I love that you're getting real, like, good, like, juicy drops in there. Uh, they live in the library in perpetuity for a reason, Caitlin. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it was just tons and tons of fun. Um, if you have gone to see the D&D movie and you don't play D&D, I'd really like to know what you thought. Um, I've heard from some people who are not big D&D people that they also thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you know who loved it on Twitter? Who? 
self-avowed uh, high fantasy not fan, Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima. Oh, <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Great. Good. Had a great old time. Lovely. So yeah, it just was super, super enjoyable. And I, yeah, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? Yep. All right. Yeah. So I hope they make more because they did a really good job. Come back for that when she makes me watch it in Cinematic September. (laughs) 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 Okay. We bridge as we always do with your boy. Mando! (laughs) You don't want me just going, Mando! (laughs) (laughs) It has its appeal as well. Kate? Yeah. I had a thought. Oh, no. On Thursday, I thought to myself, you know, there there may come a day mm-hmm. when we're not doing this podcast with any regularity mm-hmm. anymore. Life happens. Maybe maybe that day will come. Yeah. And when that day comes, can I stop watching The Mandalorian? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, because we have to watch. <laughs> we have to watch. We have to have something where I can like just scream at you. <laughs> Um, where I'm like, Jordan, did you see the episode of this? Blah. Maybe Caitlin, that'll be wrestling. For, are you ready for my hottest take about the Mandalorian? Yeah. It has too many Mandalorians. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Huh. This is not my this is not my quib. <laughs> this is Andy's quib, but I agree with this quib. Star Wars kind of already had like the lane for sexless space weirdos who follow a creed was kind of already covered uh, that, that's in a, the Star Wars universe. That's a good take. That's a good take. <laughs> they were called Jedi. Yeah. And they had laser swords. Yeah. And at least they could emote with their face. Yeah. Um, I don't mind. Now we have now we have another one. We they can't even emote with their face. I I I actually kind of I I like all the Mandalorians. I actually like like. For me, at least, from the beginning of the season to the most current episode, I'm liking the most current episode way more than the beginning couple episodes. Oh, because the pirate guy was back. The pirate, well, the, yeah, the, the, pi- the, pirate, ba- pirate battle, city siege. Yes, that's all fine. Good action. Yes, I enjoyed it. Caitlin, yeah, Jordan, keep that fucking mythosaur away from me. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is what it's about. It's coming back. No, it's it's more than that. <laughs> Apparently though, if also uh the most consistent man at work said if you watch the Mandalorian on one and a half speed, it just flies by. <laughs> okay, amazing. <laughs> it only takes 20 minutes and you don't miss anything. I mean, I um, I would still my my preference would be still for a lone wolf and cub yes. story. That is yes. my preference. Him taking down bounties and maybe other stuff is going on. Um, but it is becoming clear that now the role of this show is to explain the Abram sequels. Oh, yeah. And to connect those dots. And yeah. I guess, I guess just I should have known. I guess maybe that I'm just disappointed for my, in myself for thinking <laughs> no, that this know. could be avoided. I don't know that this was the plan. I don't think this was the plan. I think their plan, they had like a full first season, they knew exactly what they wanted to do, and then second season was like, well, let's throw some of this other fun stuff in. And then... <laughs> Filoni and Favreau walked into a room and suddenly the lights came on, <laughs> and Kathleen Kennedy was standing behind a door and was like, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just like to say, and you can come at me, I don't care, anybody out there, 
Um, I don't really have social media, so good luck. Um, Abrams <laughs> ruined ruin, everything. I'm trying to ruin my day. <laughs> Sorry. Abrams ruined everything. If Blame yes. Abrams, yes, he did. Jordan. Yes, he did. Blame Abrams for, for people coming at you to get to me. Um, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> and also, why does this show want to try to make me believe, or like even putting into my head the notion that like, well, the armor keeps throwing little uh, trinkets at BBU. It's like, oh, you earned another piece of armor. It's like, you want me to believe that we are reaching a point in this show where at some point the cutest, most seismic entrant into collective pop culture in the last 20 years is going to put a helmet over his adorable face that he never removes? Fuck out of here. <laughs> it ain't happening. If it happens, you have ruined Star Wars more than J.J. Abrams ever could. No. <laughs> I will take a tiny Mandalorian over J.J. Abrams ruining everything. Not cover his tiny, gorgeous face. You fools. <sighs> Enough talk about that. What else do I want to do? Shout outs. Got a shout out while I was out with the executive producer yesterday. Forgot to mention. Took a swing by High Notes Coffee and Vinyl over on Dundas Street in the West End here in Toronto. Uh, they were an online presence for a very long time. Uh, recently opened a physical space. Um, definitely a victim or symptom or what you want to say but i i want i heard mark Marin recently talk about shopping for records and saying everybody knows what they got now right um this is definitely an example where everybody knows what they got where it's like holy shit look at this record it's the original 12 inch from 96 of the doomsday remix by mf doom that came out on fat beats it's got three songs on it and it's 145 dollars because god because they know um (laughs) we were there i was having to flip through um (laughs) Someone cute was like, well, you have to buy a record because we're here now and we're supporting local business. And I'm like, oh, I have to buy a record now. (laughs) Boo. Oh, dear. Whatever will I do? And also because these dudes are like heavy collectors and retailers, um, we just happened to, as we're checking out, glance to the side and they had like three De La Soul albums autographed by the entire group from like 96. Whoa. We're like, well, that's a thing. Um, Sad Days, Love Life, School Idol Festival. Shut its doors for good. Pour some out. Pour some liquor out. Really? For the OG for, for the OG waifu world game. Maybe juice box. <laughs> Muse doesn't deserve my, my liquor? No. <laughs> See it. Miracle Live 2. Whenever that comes out. Um, what else? Remembered that I had been watching uh, OG Macross on YouTube months and months ago. Took a dip back into that. Um, it's fine. It's an 80s <laughs> anime. Yeah. Uh, I am starting to see why I think people always thought Lin Min May was kind of annoying, but we'll see how that continues. Um, what else? Shrinking finished its season. Right. It was fantastic. Some people had a problem with the ending. It kind of took a turn on the ending. I don't know. I thought it was fine. Okay. Um, show's always so great. Harrison Ford is just, like I said, he's the most charismatic man on earth. And anytime you see him in his little sessions with the daughter, it's like... I don't know how you as like a relatively unknown actress is just like, here, you're doing scenes with Han fucking Solo and like, hold your own. Like, <laughs> um, Shrinking was very good and you should find it and watch it uh, however you can. Had a weird moment where it's turned into an interesting sort of thing and, I, and it will come back to some revisiting for me and also uh, will explain why I'm bad at TV or why she, why the executive producer said I was bad at TV. Um, so we're looking for something to watch on Friday. Scanning the tiles on, I don't know, Disney maybe. And she says, 
I've never seen High Fidelity. Referring to the movie. Right. And I'm like, oh shit, I love that movie. Let's watch that movie. And we watch it, and um, seems like we're enjoying it. There's some laughs here and there. Jack Black at its peak, early Jack Blackest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie ends. And she says, that was fucking terrible. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Uh, maybe I take for granted that in 2023, if you had watched a movie about a very narcissistic white dude, <laughs> a very narcissistic, borderline misogynistic white dude in the 90s, you kind of would have took that at face value. <laughs> but in 2023, it's a harder hang. Okay, I can see that. Um, but then I said, well, definitely then check out, I think you should check out the show that they readapted and starred Zoe Kravitz and took like the characters or like even the character types and kind of like either flip the racial makeup or the gender or, um, and the story and kind of made tweaks in it, put in the current day, switch the setting, things like that. And she has binged the show and loved it. She probably said to you, Jordan, you're terrible at TV. Well, no, she was, she was like, she's saying something, you know, this thing happened. And I was like, I, you're ahead of me. Like, I only go watch the first That's three episodes. That's what I mean, that she binged it and that you're not even caught up yet. No, because I, mystifying everyone, Hulu canceled it after one season. It only ever got one season. To everyone's befuddlement, because it seemed to be universally praised. I can't imagine it was that expensive. It was like a camera wandering around Brooklyn. Like, it couldn't have cost that Paris much money. can get 60,000 seasons. I mean, listen. But we, you know, we're past the expiration point now. Nobody did. It was three years ago it was out, so nobody's picking it up. And nobody's going to, you know, go to bat for that season, too. Um, we didn't even talk about the writer strike and everything that's going to mean. Because uh, I don't know enough. But maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, yeah, that's why she said it was bad at TV. Cause when I knew it got canceled, I never was like, Oh, I don't need to finish it. Thanks. It's going to leave me on a cliffhanger and I'm going to be mad. Um, that's terrible. She, but she has been, she has been very vocal today cause she watched it all today. Um, on how good it was. So I will probably make some time in the coming week to check that out. And lastly, Caitlin mentioned it a couple weeks ago, uh, to my unbeknownst to me, and the second she told me, I was like, well, we back on board. Yellow Jacket's back, baby. And it is gnarly as ever. And fun as ever. And finally, finally. Finally. Got to get, get it queued up. Caitlin finally took us a, a full ass season and two episodes. We eating people. We finally, <laughs> finally eating people. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I, I know I can't watch the show, but I was just about to say that's my kind of show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got problems. And I, I took a clip and I sent it to. Uh, oh God! If I get, if I don't get the title right, she's gonna murder me. But as we know, this show is like so. Friends, if you don't know the show at all, it's basically. Story about some uh, uh, soccer team in the 90s who crashed in the woods in northern Canada, I believe. Um, we don't know everything that happened to them, and it bounces back and forth between their lives in the present day and while well, showing what happened to them in the woods. And it's highly suggested um, throughout the first season that one of the ways they survived was eating people. And we don't, 
we don't we didn't know exactly how it happened it seemed very midsomar when it was alluded to in the premiere um a lot of antler crowns and things like that um <laughs> but then it was like oh this one girl that the whole season we're like oh it was her who fell in the pit and they ate um but it wasn't her she died a different way type of thing and it was just like well i remember coming out of the last season being like caitlin when are they going to start eating people? Um, but because the show set in the 90s, the needle drops are impeccable. This has been mentioned numerous times. Uh, when Inertia Creeps by Massive Attack started playing in this episode, I was Ooh. like, chef's kiss, fantastic. Wow. And then, yeah. <laughs> it's so I'm not going to say who. I'll describe the scene, but I'm not going to say who, in case you ever do go back and watch the show. Um, basically, they have decided <laughs> to <laughs> cremate the body of this girl who had passed uh, in the last season. And again, it does not hold up at all. If you really look at everything that happens in the scene and being like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, But there's always allusions to like, is there something supernatural happening in the woods that's followed them into the present day? I don't know. Or are there's all just, you know, in your head, uh, psychological type stuff. But basically they put the corpse on the pyre. Everybody leaves and goes back on their thing. The body starts to burn, but then like some wind knocks some snow onto it. And then there's just a scene like five minutes later where everybody's just kind of like, what is that? And I'm watching it <laughs> going like, that smells delicious. That's basically what it was. It was like, they're all starving and they just wander out and slowly just kind of like, oh, we going to do this? <laughs> and as they do, as they make the decision to dig in, climbing up the walls by Radiohead starts playing. And I was like Ooh. applauding. And I sent that clip to someone cute because Radiohead's her favorite band. And I was like, needle drops are still impeccable on this show. Radiohead had a lot of good moments. Let Down in the Bear was another fantastic moment for Radiohead. And uh, yeah, this was another good <laughs> another good Radiohead in, in television moment. It's amazing what really good needle drops can do to a show. Like, it really can it, it, elevate it's, it. It's a fine needle to thread between like, oh, this is too precious and this is really accurate and serves the scene. You don't want to go too obvious. You don't want to go like, like, <laughs> to me, I might have picked like, I don't know, S Club Party when, <laughs> when they started eating the girl. <laughs> That's because you have, you're sick. You have problems. There's, Caitlin, there ain't no party <laughs> like an S Club Party. Because an S-Club party is for cannibals. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's what I got into, friends. We're going to take a pause right here so I can uh, go on Google and revisit my notes and try to remember anything about the thing we're going to talk about this week. Because <laughs> we yeah. were supposed to talk about it two weeks ago. But we'll see how we make out when we uh, wrap up March Madness in April, which is also the most geek down thing that could ever happen. <laughs> With our discussion of Redline just after this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. But before we get into it, which we, I don't know how much getting into it we will get into, but we will try our best. There are rules. The first rule being the rule of three. That is if the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them. So the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. 
The second rule, oh, but there, it wasn't parts, it was a movie, so it was all good. Second thing is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones. And that sometimes can be incredibly difficult, like this time. One oh of the boy. things I, I do remember is how hard I had, a hard time I had not yelling at Jordan through Facebook. Oh, um, I, I know exactly what it was. <laughs> we do this... So that you guys get the freshest of takes about sometimes not so fresh stuff. We just want you to, you know, have our hot takes. We want you to be in the room as we yell at each other or have a very polite discussion about something. You don't know. We don't know. That's why we do it. The third rule isn't really a rule. It's just a policy is that there will be spoilers this thing is hard to spoil, but if you're like, no, I was just a bit to watch this in my anime club and I don't want to know what's going to happen, then you need to get the fuck out. But like nicely, like it's not a mean thing. Cars, y'all. Cars. Um, there's, there's your spoilers. Um, So you need to go, but like, I understand. Come back a little bit later. Um, because sometimes there's funny stuff that happens at the end, but if you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. That's fine too. Um, you know, if it's hot where you are, get a hot drink. If it's, I mean, hot where you are, get a cold drink. If it's cold where you are, get a hot drink. Um, if you just drink water, I guess go see Dungeons and Dragons. Um, anyways, all that out of the way, Jordan, what did you have us watch? <sighs> So this this was still when Caitlin had this notion that maybe a one and done experiment. I don't know. Ask me next year <laughs> to do March Madness, which was a very uh, thinly drawn out notion that it would just be like insane movies, just wild movies, action movies, over the yeah. top movies. Yeah. And I was like, well, I want to fi- let's let's find an anime to get in here. The anime shows, the anime episodes always do well. There's got to be a movie out there that does all right, and there was one movie that I remember when I first started dipping my toes back in, I always heard good things about, and I started watching it to just kind of like get a sense of it, to see if I would give it to Caitlin, and I did not get through it. And then despite myself, I was like, fuck it, we'll do it anyway. And having sat through it, I did find myself warming to it a little bit, but we can talk about that more as we go on. The movie in question is Redline. It is a 2009 Japanese animated science fiction film produced by Studio Madhouse and directed by Takeshi Koike in his directorial debut. It stars a bunch of actors who we did not hear because all you can find is a dub in this country. Uh, the screenplay was written by Katsuhiro Ishii, Yoji Enokido, and Yoshiki Sakurai based on an original story by Ishii. It is set in the distant future where a man known as Sweet JP takes great risks for the chance of winning the titular underground race, The Red Line. The film was in production for seven years and used over a hundred thousand hand-drawn frames. And this is one of the sort of like bullet points about this movie is that it was hand-drawn. It was one of the yeah. last hand-drawn, fully hand-drawn anime movies made. Maybe the last one. Um, it premiered at the Locarno International Film Festival in, on August 14th, 2009. Theatrically released in Japan on October 9th, 2010. Despite positive reviews with particular praise for its animation, Redline was unsuccessful at the box office. It saw greater success following its home release and is now considered a cult film. Caitlin, mm-hmm. fuck it. Was this another entrant into the worst anime ending you've ever seen in your life? Um, yes. 
<laughs> I was fucking howling. I was like, she's gonna be so mad. So mad. She's gonna be so fucking mad. I was mad at most of Caitlin. the film. Caitlin. Yeah. Hold on. I never used the drop for anything but Chauncey, but I think it's fitting here. Caitlin. Yeah. Love. Love, Caitlin. It's the fifth element. Just let just let JP and what's her face float off into the sky. I Woo! Okay, okay. Basic okay. premise here as said. So yes, there's uh, people hold crazy uh Fast and the Furious style death races for it's what was what was the movie? It's like a mad combination the Fury Road death slash Death Death Proof? Death Proof. Death Death uh, Race, wasn't the it? Tar- the, the Tarantino Grindhouse thing. Oh, yeah. that, death that Proof. Was death Proof, yeah. Driving in a car fast movie. Um and the notion is that for reasons JP can never win, he is a mechanic or his childhood friend slash mechanic slash partner has him is in with some, you know, nefarious syndicate who he has to throw every race he's in. He can never win. Um and if he tries to win a race, his buddy will like set off a bomb <laughs> on his yeah, I don't think he on his car to keep him from winning. He didn't know that though. I don't think he knew that. No. Or I don't think he I think he knew what happened when it happened, but I think he uh I don't think he maybe he didn't know at the time, but when it happened, I think he knew what what it was. Um anyway, the idea I think is you do the yellow lines. The opening scene is a yellow line race which he loses. He comes in third, I think, second or third. Um but some people drop out and he kind of moves up the rankings and now he's going to red line. And this is where the movie gets insane because So, the- so red line happens like every 5 years. Yes. I think that's Kate, where point. does it happen? Where does it happen this year? Uh, I actually a robot planet. That's all I can. <laughs> that's not that far. That's not that. You're like that's a ridiculous. Caitlin has no memory of this movie. No, it takes place on Robo World. Robo Caitlin's World. very close Sorry. to what the actual yeah. name of the thing is. Um, and initially, I was like, "This is fucking st- Robo World. What are we even doing here? You're showing me how young he is based on the size of his pompadour. What is happening <laughs> on this movie right now?" <laughs> Um, who was that guy in the car that he like admired as a child? He never comes back. We never see any mention of that again. No, he's just like um, a super cool racer who somehow <laughs> made out with two chicks at once. And I'm not talking like one at a time, two chicks at once. I'm like literally mouth to mouth, two other chicks. And that was one of the most puzzling parts of the film. That has stuck how, with me. How balling as he was. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, JP goes... To the red line, Robo World does not want the red line to happen. I don't know why it happens in it because there's like a red line is like there's like a planetary federation type thing, and the the magical girl planet <laughs> wants red line yeah. to happen or is in charge of red line. Um, so it's happening on Robo World, whether they like it or not. But they're very concerned that like whatever nefarious stuff Robo World's gonna been getting up to is going to be revealed when all the camera crews start filming the red line and broadcasting it across the galaxy. Um, or they, or they literally are like, we don't want them here. Or just in general, like, we are a sovereign planet, get the fuck out. And they're like, no, Stop. no, it's going to be on Robo World. Why? Because it has to happen somewhere in your Robo World, so it's going to happen here. Um, I did, that was the moment, though, in the, in the build-up to the actual Red Line race, where we met the other racers, um, that is when I realized... The opening moments, I was like, I'm not going to make it through this. Right. Like, no lie. I think I talked briefly, and let's talk about this now, I guess. I mentioned briefly on our last episode how 
this is a very distinctive art style. This is like um, a Salvador Dali um, made out with Ren and Stimpy, and uh, they just took all the adult cartoons from like Adult Swim and put them in a blender. I I suppose the yeah I suppose the um how how do I say this it's um ugly it's ugly it's very ugly yeah <laughs> it's an ugly ass movie um there are you parts. are absolutely there you are, are absolutely right the the liquid television this is fucking this is Aeon Flux this is P, this is big Peter Chung energy um and just there were some things I like the way speed is depicted so I was gonna like say that, the, that, the that racing bi- that big, the, yeah, racing the racing scenes yes. are amazing like they are That's, amazingly rendered. That's why you come. You come for the racing stuff. And the, the commercials. <laughs> I, I like the bits with the racers getting introduced. I, obviously, I love the Magical Girl Idol Twins. I thought they were, thought they were fantastic. Uh, I loved the stupid fucking commercials and like like in, in, in um, movie commercials. I just thought they were so amazing and so dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a highlight. Highlight for me. It's so like we're barely talking about the plot. This is just going to be like how we got through this weird mess. Um, the main thing that Robo World does not want to get revealed when the red line gets broadcast to the galaxy is their illegal bioweapon that they've been developing. Uh-huh. Kate? Yeah. What's the name of the bioweapon? I can't remember. I just kept on calling it Slug Baby in my head. So it looks like a god warrior from Nasco the Valley of the Wind, uh, and its name is Funky Boy. <laughs> yes, it is. I forgot. Oh, it is called Funky Boy. <laughs> There's a lot of dire, serious talk about how we can't let people, <laughs> we can't let Funky Boy's <laughs> existence be revealed. Yeah. I checked Wikipedia to make sure this was not just the dub taking liberties. No, no. It's actually called Funky Boy. Mm-hmm. It makes me wish I had seen it in the original Japanese just so I could hear that repeatedly. <laughs> Um, the issue is Funky Boy has no master. Mm-mm. Funky Boy cannot be controlled. No. If Funky Boy gets out, he just starts wrecking shit. Yeah. Um, to the point where eventually, I don't know, Robo World General number three ends up merging with some sort of pterodactyl and ends up fighting Funky Boy. Yeah. Meanwhile, the race is still happening. Oh, the whole time. Well, this is going The whole on. time. You thought this was a movie about a race? No, no. No, no. It's about the um, amazing fight between Slug Baby Funky Boy <laughs> and General Pterodactyl. Um, <laughs> this is becoming a way better movie in our version of it. Um, so, also, there is uh, a love interest, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. There's, Just there's real the blonde girl. wedged in there. Who, uh, you know races a car kind of like a hoverboat type thing and then sits around topless for 15 minutes and then i just these are my problems it's not nakedness chat chats with him at a restaurant no chats with him at a restaurant first um and almost eats a bunch of maggots is that what they were yeah yeah they were they weren't good that's all i know weird seafood that weird seafood dish um and then she sits around naked for 15 minutes watching television um, like I was about to say, I'm fine with nakedness in movies. People may think <laughs> that I'm not. It's when nakedness doesn't a make sense or b is just not the way people are naked. I can tell you right now, most women, your boobs get cold, or you don't want them just dangling out there. 
Like, I mean, I got to believe, yeah, you just want something on them. You just don't want them like out like that. Yeah, like, like I, I mean, someone I'm not a woman. Door. I, know, but, I mean, okay. maybe occasionally, like I could see like sunbathing without a top on. That must be fun. Um, but by and large, you want either some structure or some comfort. It's cold. Your nipples get cold. Um, cause they're just like further away from your body. So you want something to keep you warm. Most ladies don't just, you know, they're just out there with the boobs out. Um, other low key subplot in here is, I, I don't, I don't, um, we'll call it the galaxy marble. I don't know. So they, as they're driving along, they have nitrous that they can use. Um, they kind of like throw a capsule into another thing and press a button and boom, off they go. Um, but apparently there's some like galaxy marble that's like infinite nitrous and there's only one dude who knows how to use it properly. Um, and he's won the last like five just red lines. Wins, wins all the red lines. Um, so when uh, I should get the girl's name at least instead of just calling her the girl who sat around topless. Um, I don't think it really matters. We could just make something <laughs> up. People won't know. I mean, the giant baby slug was called Funky Boy. Sonashima. <laughs> that is true. Sonashi McLaren is her name. Um, she has one of these galaxy marbles that I don't know her dad gave her or something, but just, oh, I always told she couldn't handle it. Um, you got to get the car to go fast, but you still got to be able to control it. That's that's insane. Um, and there's some other background stuff where you think his friend's gonna like sabotage him again, um, but some old man with long arms and feet like something out of the chrysalids like <laughs> ends up killing all the mobsters instead. Um, is another one of the driving team basically. Um, at one point, sorry, I have to stop, Jordan. Huh. Great literary reference, <laughs> like really, like actually, like legitimately top notch. Who don't love a chrysalids reference? Where's the Wyndham Hive at? Where's my ninth grade English <laughs> class at? Same, um, same. <laughs> Why did we read that book in ninth grade? <laughs> Jesus. Sonashi's car gets destroyed. Somehow, Sweet JP just, like, scoops her up. So now they're... She's riding in his lap, basically. They're riding together. Yeah. At, in a car um, that definitely could not fit two people a little while ago. <laughs> Absolutely not. And they decide that the only way they could possibly win is to take... Combine her galaxy marble and put it in JP's Trans Am. It's a Trans Am, right? Um... He's the only one who can handle it, and they drive. Oh my God! It's 2001. It's just like it's just like the, the streams of light. They're just going, and then I think they die in an explosion. But instead, we see them just kind of like float like a helium balloon across the finish line, and then float into the air, and they kiss, and the word love spins down from the top. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie ends. And Caitlin. What has made you more mad? Um, everyone turning into light at the end of Akira, everyone turning into goo at the end of Evangelion, or JP and Sanashi floating up while kissing, presumably dead, as the word love spun down and the song Red Light <laughs> started up in the background. Which made you angriest? Uh, I think whatever happened at the end of that Oh, maybe it was the drill that pierced the heavens. Maybe that was the one that made me the angriest. I don't know. It's a hard. Girl, I don't even know that one. Oh, it's very famous. Uh, it, that's a hard. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say Akira because, because um, both Redline and um, Evangelion 
were nonsense. Like they'd been nonsense for a while. Um, so it was sort of like a continuation of nonsense and you could, oh. you could argue Akira, but Akira kind of like for a long time had a plot, like really far in, like down the rabbit hole. And it, it was, it was very set. The sci-fi in it was very, I mean, until he turned into a giant baby, but oh, he's, yeah. is Tetsuo a funky boy? Oh, maybe. Is it the shared universe? Oh my God, Tetsuo's funky boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Until Tetsuo turned into a giant blob baby. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was relatively, uh, you were like, low okay. key in it's, in it's sci-fi. You're like, all right, all right. And you're like, you know, suspension of disbelief. And then you're just like, but what? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I was sort of like, this movie was ridiculous from the outset. So I was like <laughs> not expecting much of an ending. And I my expectations well, were met. Good. <laughs> they were well, definitely good. met. Um, yeah. I, I didn't like watching this film. I think that's fair because it was ugly or a comment. It was ugly. There were, there like, there were, the pacing was terrible. Um, it was just, there was lots of things that didn't make sense that they were like, I felt like they had a bunch of cool scenes that they had to try and tie into a, a film <laughs> to make a movie. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I read that stat about like, a hundred thousand hand-drawn illustrations and i'm like i just i just feel bad for everybody involved yeah because a hundred thousand have i had to draw a hundred thousand of something i i would not want it to be this yeah agreed um and especially because they don't get paid very well it's not like they <laughs> made bank making this film um, bigger issue <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just it wasn't enjoyable uh a, the dub just let alone just like we know how I feel about dubs, right? I have Ooh. never encountered a dub that I really liked, except for Sailor Moon in the 90s, because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's how I first heard it and absorbed Sailor Moon in anime. So, uh, it's a soft spot for me. But um, And I don't know that a, a, like a subversion would have helped. Probably not. Um, because it is an ugly film and it doesn't make any sense. And they just like <laughs> really wedged that romance in there for no reason. Um, I think the story would have been... Well, he, he helped her race when they were kids. I, but he's loved her ever since. Apparently she doesn't know who he is. Like I just yes. was very confused about whether they knew each other or not. And anyway, I think the story would have been much more interesting. They focused on him and his partner since they were friends and how success right. meant different things for them. I think that's a much more interesting story. Um, but this wasn't really story oriented. It was just like, look at this cool, weird stuff. No, yeah. This, this was a tech demo for Madhouse is what it was <laughs> dressed up like a movie. It's like, yeah. look what Madhouse can do as an animation studio. And on that, as far as like, like there's a lot of talk often sometimes where people misuse the word animation. It's like, I don't like how it was animated. What you're talking about is the art style or mm -hmm. the composition or all the color choices or things like that. The actual animation or sakuga, which is not a word I like, not a Japanese word I like saying particularly, um, refers to the actual fluidity of the animation. Um, you cannot argue that the sakuga is A plus here. Oh, yeah. Everything is moving well. The way the camera moves, the, like I said, that, that stretch effect whenever something's going really fast um, gets that across. But it's just a fucking ugly movie. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to sit through. It was felt really long. You want to give me a spinoff on the, uh, you know, 
Princess Robot Bubblegum Planet that runs the red line. That's that's fine. That, I'm but. that princess. She was. I really liked her. She had a plan. Uh, this is like a five and a half. It's like a four. Yeah, I knew you we were going to fail it. <laughs> <laughs> I just it was I was a it was a hard hang to use your terminology. It really was. I mean, it took me it took it took me two tries. You know what? It, five, even five for me because it took two tries yeah. to get through. Um, and it almost didn't make it, and now we know why. So, friends, that's on Tubi. <laughs> if you're interested. If, you, if you've got a hankering, if you've got to know what we're talking about, you can watch it for $0 Though on I, I Tubi. Ha- I have to say, as far as madness goes for March Madness. <laughs> fit the bill. Yeah, fit the bill. Came through. Uh, well, this wraps that experiment. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what we'll get into uh, get into next week. I don't know. We'll probably be due for a spring anime preview soon. But maybe not next week. i got to do some research on that. But we shall see. At any rate, friends... If you got some thoughts, if you're if you're a fan of Redline, and you think these were a hundred thousand hand drawings just put to the best possible use, you can let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. But other than that, I guess we will put a pin in it here. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name's Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geekdown Podcast. What's a pirate's favorite letter? The R? It's a letter of writ from the king. (laughs) You'll snort on the mic. (laughs) She's just going to snort on the mic. Yeah, it was good. It was good. (laughs) 